Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. Tom Burgoyne, John Brazier, and John, he's a former Eagle. He's a, a former Pro Bowler. He's a former NFC Conference champion. He is, but what he's really known for is his baseball prowess. Yes, because I witnessed it, Tom. Uh, <laughs> this is going back several years. Uh, our next guest can tell us the exact year, but I bring him down. And his first at bat to fantasy camp at fantasy camp was against Ricky Batalico. And he took Ricky deep. I witnessed it went over the fence deep nice. on Ashburn field. That's right. Let's bring him on right now. <laughs> WIP's Ike Reese. What's up, Ike? Tom. John, hey, thanks for having me, guys. Listen, I don't have many baseball memories in my life because, believe me, my little league days weren't anything to write home about. But I will say my experience at uh, Philly's fantasy camp, the two years that I was down there, particularly that first year where I got the home run off of uh, Ricky Botalico, Ricky Bo, um, I got to admit, man, it's one of the greatest athletic feats of my lifetime. <laughs> I just, I just, I just got to throw that out Isn't there. That hilarious? Do, he played man. in the Super Bowl. Right? He was in the Pro Bowl, and like that was one of the greatest feats. That's Seriously, awesome. Man. I never hit a home run in Little League, so, you know. Is that uh, right? Really, Ike? Well, I never hit the ball over the fence over is what I'm fence. saying. Yeah, you get you know, you know, get Little League home so, runs when yeah. the ball goes through So set it up. What, set it up. What happened that day that you, you – I mean, Ricky's no slouch. Well, no. It's, I, 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 I know be, he's not giving me a cream puff either. <laughs> Ricky Metallica. Well, you remember the first pitch he threw? Yeah, he threw the it at you. The first pitch he threw, he, like, he literally threw it at me. Yeah, man. Right? So that that really ruined me, honestly. Yeah. But he, I, I got to give Ricky credit because he kind of explained this to me afterwards when I was feeling good about myself, about taking him over the fence. You know, pitchers, they know how to place the ball. So he got a chance to see a couple of my swings, and it didn't take him long to figure out where he wanted to place the ball right. that would give me a chance. Where your uh, right, not to, where your hole is, where where your <laughs> where your lack of hole is, yeah, right? So, where your whatever your sweet spot. So sweet yeah, spot. see, he knew yeah. where to put it at, and, and, and I and, and I actually believe him when he says it because it made sense to me because I'm right. just up there swinging, right? I'm swinging, <laughs> and I called it, man. I called it pretty good, and John to tell you, man, uh, I, people are it, nuts. It was almost as good as hitting a home run in the World Series, man. Oh, I mean, that's what it felt oh, like to that's me. Beautiful. But, but I like tell to you, you learned, too, that baseball is a hard game, right? Oh, for because, sure, yes. Because you were on a high right there, <laughs> and then I remembered you you struggled, right? Uh, what did I strike but, out the next eight times? Right, <laughs> right, you did. But then you came back. You, I mean, you were you personified the base of the, the hard, what it takes to become a good baseball yeah. player because you struggled, but then you came back. And I think you know, one of my favorite parts, other than the over, taking you over the wall, taking Metallica over the wall, was when you did the, I think you had almost like a Little League home run, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> my legs gave out on me. But they were throwing the ball. They were throwing the ball all around the yeah. infield. So, you, no, I hit a good one. I hit, I hit a nice one. shot. Hit a did. nice shot out to the okay. outfield. Would have been a double. Probably, it probably was a double. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's probably what it was. But it's a good shot out to the outfield. And when I get, when I, I'm coming around second base, I'm realizing, okay, Probably got an older gentleman out there in the outfield. That <laughs> right. the, the ball's not going to get here, right. you know, at the rate that it normally would. But it was a good – he got into the relay guy. I'm coming around third, and all of a sudden my legs just gave out. Sniper, yeah. Sniper hit you. <laughs> Sniper you went got down? Him. You went down? He's dead. Oh. <laughs> 
And then he kind of was trying to get <laughs> Hold up. Hold on. So the best part, no, the best part is not me going down. Like the be- that, That's the funniest visual part of it. The best part was me trying to crawl to home plate because I couldn't get back up. <laughs> I did beat the throw. I Because yeah. it was an all-throw to home plate. Yeah. That just the- goes to show you the type of talent that was out there in, in fantasy camp. He needed one of those life alerts. I'm falling, but I can't get up. Oh, yeah. my God. It was. That was and, and, and that was my kids were out there, too. So, you know, part of me was trying to show off in front of my kids, and then they saw that. That was sort of embarrassing. But, yeah, that was that also let me know – I had retired at the right time because, you know, going to first base, I'm feeling good. Rounding first base, I'm going to second. I'm like, okay, yeah, I still got the speed because I still probably was the the fastest guy out there. Yes, not even a question. (laughs) So I still was the fastest guy out there. But by the time I got between second and third base, I could feel it. I I, I knew I was starting to lose a little bit of stamina. (laughs) I rounded third, man. It's like three-fourths home. I started stumbling, and I, I probably made it halfway through third and home plate before I hit the ground. And started crawling. Then I had to crawl the rest <laughs> crawl. of the way there. Yeah, but I I, the you were, you know, of and the your w- kids saw that. Of the oh, WIP people, killer. right? You were. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Joe Conklin came down a couple of years, and Joe Conklin's, I think, first game, he hurt his <laughs> finger, and I, I went into the trainer's room after the game, and he literally is sitting on a chair, not in the uh, hot tub. He's sitting in a chair, and he's got his finger dipped into the hot tub. No. And then Joe to camera, right? Joe to camera, he came down a couple of times, and he was hurt. How bad was that? I think his feelings were hurt before he even took it at bat. I mean, he, he hurt everything, groin, yeah. knee, whatever. Yeah, I've never seen somebody get his injured at something that is supposed to be at your leisure right? as much as Joe DeCamera has <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in the years that he went down to fantasy he camp. He was a Danny, Tar- Danny Tartable of <laughs> fantasy camp. Yeah, right. One at bat and that's it. <laughs> right. Done. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's killer. That was good times, though. I, had, I I really did have fun with it, man. It was – it was, um, and I'm saying this. I, I really did appreciate it, man. It was it was a good experience for me, um, especially I was, I was so fresh out of um, – playing in the NFL, right. you know, it gave me a newfound respect yep. for the sport of baseball and playing the sport of baseball with these guys go through 162 times uh, throughout the year and, and going into the playoffs. It, it's um, – you realize – how difficult it looks like it's a leisurely sport, right? Because right. there's a lot of standing around. But then you say to yourself, "Man, it's first of all, it's hard to hit the baseball." I had to realize that it's, yeah. it's hard to get an actual hit, let alone put the bat on the ball. Um, and then, secondly, being out there and fielding your position and doing that every night, man, especially the guys that are in the outfield. <laughs> those guys that are out there in the outfield, that's a lot of ground to cover. And uh, those guys out there, man, I, I gained a lot of respect. Well, plus uh, you got to hang out with a lot of the former Phillies guys, right? Listen, you were, that was the best part. Yeah, you were managed by – was Mickey one of your managers? Yeah, Mickey, yeah. Mickey – well, I had Greg. I had um, the Bull the first year, I believe. All right. Well, he just gave you grunts. Yeah, I had the Bull the first year, and then I had I had uh, Mickey my second year. Okay. I think I had Mickey my second year. So I got to give a shout-out to great Phillies hitting coach, uh, Milt Thompson, yep. who, who – who put extra work in? With he helped me. you. He helped you along. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the first day was embarrassing enough, so I, I was like, you know what? I may not be the best player here, but I can't be the worst player here. So yeah, I got to at least be able to put the bat on the ball, and if I could just put it in play, I'll use my speed to be able to make up for everything. Else. And did you put into practice what he told you? Like, did you? Of course, I did. Yeah, because he he well, likes to tell about zone, chopping wood, zone, chopping yep. wood through the zone. Yep. Like, I still remember these things now. Yeah, yeah. I've taken sure. part of this to my golf swing too, which doesn't really help me <laughs> no, out. Oh, that time. won't help. Yes. <laughs> but yes, um, man, he he worked countless hours with me, and 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 between Dickie Knowles and 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 Bull, um, Greg Lazinski, they gave me enough. Um, they razzed me enough that I the, the competitive side of me. They they I mean just made me have to go out course, and try harder. Yeah. Yes, it did, man. So they're teaching, and then like you mentioned about just hanging out with the guys, like the you know after the game, and you're going out in the hotel lobby, or if you're going a couple of the places out, hanging with the campers, hanging with the players. What was that like? A, a it was great the time? best. It really yeah. was. I you know that that allowed me to, you know. Growing up in locker rooms and 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 being with guys, that's the one thing that we as players 
we don't realize it until afterwards, but we miss the most. We missed we missed hanging around in the locker room, shooting the breeze, lying about whatever you did the night before or what have you, you know, just telling stories. And so you miss that when you leave the game. Um and I I found out during that during those two years, I'm like baseball players have the best stories. Like they have the best you know, on the road stories, you know, yeah, throughout yeah. the years. So you spend more time with them in any other sport. Exactly. Spend more time with your teammates. Yeah. So, so sitting around listening to all those guys just tell stories. And, you know, a lot of the guys were from the 90s, the 90s teams, that, 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 that 93 team where, you know, a lot of the great personalities were there. I got a chance to just honestly not be a part of the conversation so much, but sit back and just listen. Yeah. And so I got a chance to observe and listen to that. You know, guys like Danny Jackson – who had stopped down. I can't remember if it was the first year or the second year. You know, I grew up, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. You know, I grew up watching the Reds. And Danny Jackson is part of the last World Series team that that, that won the World Series uh, in Cincinnati in 1990. So he was a part of that starting rotation. But knowing that he was a part of this Phillies team as well, and sitting back and listening to him tell stories about Jose Rios and some of the guys back. Because you know me, as a, as a Reds fan, I had to find time to sneak my own little Cincinnati Reds questions in about the nasty boys and how crazy Lou Pinella was as a manager and all those things. But listening to the guys um, just talk about their time as being teammates and recanting the, the 93 playoff run all the way up to the World Series, like that was awesome to do, man. I'm a fan of sports, so, you know, sometimes when you, you know, as fortunate as I was to be a professional athlete and be around a lot of those guys, you know, the one thing gets lost on you is that kid side of you where you dare to dream to be a professional athlete and what it would be like to be in the locker room or what have you or be on the field during those moments. So when I'm around the guys that played before me, you know, I, I get to be a kid again, right. you know, and, that, and that's in any sport, baseball, basketball, or football. I get to remember when I was a kid and looked up watching these guys play. So that's what it was like for me listening to those guys talk about their time. Well, let's players. take you back as a kid because you grew up in Cincinnati, as you mm-hmm. met, just mentioned, and you said you played baseball, obviously played football. When did you start playing the sports? And the question I try to ask a lot of people is, at what point did you realize that you're going to make a living out of <laughs> playing a sport? So take us into a young Ike Reese. <laughs> well, as, as a youth, you know, you, you and I have four brothers. So my mother, she had us. We pretty much had to play everything to keep us busy. You right. know, so, so you, where, where do you fall in the order? Second oldest. Okay. Second oldest. Uh, obviously the best athlete of the group. <laughs> Do they know that? <laughs> yes, they know they that. Know that. <laughs> they didn't know that then, but they know it now. They, so there's they no argument. At yeah, right now, there's, there's no more debate. There's, no, yeah. there's always one brother who likes to argue. Right, if right. I hadn't got injured. Yeah, if I hadn't got injured. Because I can injured. tell you, me and my yeah. two older brothers have arguments still to this day. <laughs> yeah, it's always the one brother. He, he actually be, He's actually the smallest one of the group, but he likes to tell you that he was the better <laughs> athlete. Um, but, yeah, so – Playing little league baseball at the um, at the boys club, boys and girls club, you pretty much signed up for all sports. Um, the one thing, the funny thing is, I did not play football. I like playing football in the neighborhood, yeah. but the whole idea of putting on pads, a helmet, hitting each other, I wasn't necessarily high on that. So basketball was a sport that I truly enjoyed playing uh, as a youth. And as I got older, as I came from like the um, the seven, eight, nine, ten range. You know, you start to get to middle school and high school. I started to gravitate towards more football and and basketball. Baseball, I enjoyed. It was so hard to hit. So as you get, some kids are better than other kids, yeah. and they they usually are the pitchers. Mm-hmm. So the guys who throw the hardest, <laughs> yep, right. they're standing on the mound. Pitcher you know. shortstop. Yeah. So you know, I played in the outfield, right? Because I was left-handed. So I didn't realize at this point, you know, they don't have left-handers in, in the infield unless they're first baseman. So I was in the outfield, and in the Little League, very few balls got hit to the outfield. So it's boring to me standing, standing out yep. there, you know. So the only thing I'm looking forward to is getting my chance to bat. And I'm up there swinging. Like, I, I don't care yeah. if the ball is up high, it's down low. <laughs> I just want to hit the ball. So yeah. You got your I, launch angle, right? I, listen, I knew, you know what it was? I knew I wanted to be part of the action. 
So in order to be part of the action, you got to hit the ball, yeah. right? So I didn't have much success at doing that, so I got frustrated with baseball as a youngin. I gravitated more towards basketball. Were you like a lefty shooting uh, guard? Yeah, or okay. forward. Forward, okay. <laughs> yeah. so probably That's guard right. younger, then moved to forward? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, playing basketball, I, I loved that, man. That was, that was what I thought I was, I was supposed to do. You know, they, you know, and, and growing up in the '80s, you know, that's when you know, being from Cincinnati, we didn't have an NBA team. Yeah. So the Lakers, Magic Johnson, that was the team. James Worthy, that that's what you wanted to do and what you wanted to be. So I kind of thought that's where I was supposed to go as far as basketball. <laughs> I got to high school, and my high school coach was like, you know, you you, you know, and I played for a good high school, a basketball school. They were pretty good, and you know, I'm. At that time, I have a higher opinion of my own skills than the coaches do or what have you. So, you know, one day the football coach came up to me, he happened to be the gym teacher as well, and he's like, listen, I know you love playing basketball, but, you know, I think you got a future in football. Mm. Like, I think you got a future in football. And and part is because I'm, I'm playing more of a defensive role in basketball than I am a scorer's role in basketball. So, you know, he asked me to come out. And how big were you? Are you bigger than most of your classmates at this point? No. The same size? Probably, um, I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably bigger than most from a tall standpoint, but I was all, I've always been lean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in high school, if I was 6'2", 6'3", uh, I probably weighed 190 pounds. So I'm, I'm tall and, and right, lean right. versus being big or what have you. So I kind of always had a basketball sort of body. That I've tried to, but I had a, I got a football player's mentality, so that worked out for me. When um, I went out for the, uh, I didn't have to go out. He asked me to come out. We didn't have enough guys playing football at that time, so he's actually looking for kids around the school to come play football, and so that's what got me in. I came out. I always enjoyed playing the sport in the neighborhood sense. Like we play, we would play on Saturday mornings. You play in the neighborhood. I just didn't like the whole equipment thing, putting on shoulder pads and a helmet. And so once I got past that, um, found out that I had a, um, a niche yeah. <laughs> and, and playing football, a knack for playing the sport. And so, you know. Always uh, defense, Ike, or did you ever no, – I played. quarterback? No, the funny thing the is back? I was wide receiver, man. Wide receiver. So, I was, again, I, was, I, had a, I had good height. Yeah, you were tall. And I had decent speed. Yeah. Um, so, I wanted to play wide out. And, you know – we had a couple other wideouts on the team. Back then, we ran a run and shoot, so you needed four wide receivers. So I happened to be one of them. But at the same time, the coach felt like, you know, I could use you on defense. You know, again, you got the an aggressive mentality, so I need guys that I can sort of mold into a sort of a defensive player. And so eventually I bought into it, and it, it worked out for me. It worked out for me. You know, Michigan State and a couple of other schools uh, showed interest and me and uh, you know, offered me a scholarship at that time. So, what other schools did you look at? Because uh, University of Cincinnati, um, who I was actually recruited by, John Harbaugh. Hmm. Yeah, really? that that John Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah the coach is the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, so yeah. I've been knowing Coach since I was like 17 years old when he was recruiting me. He was a defensive back coach at the University of Cincinnati hmm. at this time. So they offered me Ball State uh, University offered me and uh, Illinois. Why University. Michigan State? Um, I wanted the Big Ten. I wanted the Big Ten. Um, so it was either going to be. It was either going to be uh, Michigan State or Illinois. And they're recruiting you as a linebacker, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so um, Michigan State, I don't know. I took the visit to Michigan State, and I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the uh, the weekend up there. For whatever reason, it felt natural to me. Well, you were me. talking about the Lakers, Magic Johnson. You know, is that you were following <laughs> oh, Magic's no. footsteps you know what? or what? Even, yes, yes, at that time. <laughs> that wasn't at the forefront of my mind, but yes, I to, when I, that certainly helped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once I got to Michigan State and realized, like, oh, yeah, Magic Johnson played for Michigan State. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I, I for whatever reason, I just enjoyed the visit. I, I enjoyed the visit up there, and, you know, it was the first visit that I took. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I wind up um, canceling the other visits, and I told my mother, I'm like, yeah, this is where we're going. Like, this is where I want to go. Yeah. yeah. So it was great and four it, years there, right? And, it, and it's also five too, years. Like, I had five a red years. shirt. Yeah. So, so he played for George Perlis, right, first. But then, you know who his coach was, Tom? 
Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick Saban oh. for three years, right? Yeah. Uh, three or four years, I guess. Three years, yeah. Three years. Yeah. So what was Nick Saban like? Could you, could you, if you were back then, take yourself in your college days, could you look <laughs> forward in a crystal ball and see that Nick Saban would be one of the all-time greatest college coaches ever? No, not 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 and not in my wildest dreams, and not because he wasn't a great coach at the time. I was just too young to be able to see it, right? And yeah. and and recognize how fortunate I was <laughs> to have this guy as my head coach, because what you what you see with coach is uh, what you get, and you know so that personality, that demanding sort of presence for perfection, and all of those things, uh, you know, when you're young. You know, some guys can can gravitate to that automatically. It's what they thrive to have and thirst to have. And then there are some guys that have to grow to appreciate that. And I was one of those guys that, you know, initially you sort of resist that because you feel like everything is personal. You feel like you're being coached hard because he doesn't like you or what have you. And so you don't realize until – you hope you realize it sooner rather than later, and fortunately I did. It didn't take me long to realize. It probably took me about a season to realize um, how beneficial um, it was to have him as a coach. And so I learned so much about the game of football. I was a more of a raw, talented person versus understanding why I was doing what I was being asked to do. I just did it. Right. You know, and once I understood why he was asking us to do the things that he asked us to do and he demanded for us to do, it made more sense to me and it made you want to even work that much harder uh, to accomplish those things that he set out for us as a team. I just wish he had a – Hey, I wish – I mean, I got what I could out of him, and I think he made me a better player. I think he made me a NFL player uh, in the three years I got to be with him. I wish the university would have gotten a chance mm. to have him right. much longer because they could have achieved much more success. But he left us um, with a guy like Mark D'Antonio, who was the defensive back coach on that staff while I was there. And he obviously went on to be arguably the greatest coach in, in – college and our university's history during his time there. But but playing for coach, um, I think watching him afterwards really gave me a greater appreciation. You know, as you look back on your career and you look back on some of the teaching moments and the lessons that like again, like I said, you may have taken you may have taken offense to in the moment, but as you get older you get to say man, okay, that's what he was trying to teach us. That's what he was trying to get accomplished, you know, with us there. So I have certainly have grown to appreciate that uh, in my, my, my later years. So, um, so your last year at Michigan State, though, did you think, you know, before you got drafted, were you thinking, I'm pretty confident I'm going to get drafted in the NFL? Or were you, when you got drafted, were you surprised? What was your mindset going into that, going into the NFL draft? I Honestly, I thought after my junior year I could be drafted. And I thought about coming out. Uh, after my junior year, um, <laughs> and Coach wasn't happy uh, <laughs> about that. Not that he wasn't happy that I was thinking about coming out. He wasn't happy that the way he found out about it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I had uh, and this this was a this was, this was a lesson for me in media training uh, because someone who had worked on a uh, radio station in Detroit who was a former. Michigan State Spartan that was close to the program, you know, I'm sort of just talking to him in a casual conversation right. and giving realizing him, that it's yeah, and giving him my thoughts <laughs> on what I was thinking about doing, and uh, I think he wound up going on the air with it a few days later, and I, I think Coach was a a frequent guest on the show, and he sort of got asked about it, and he wasn't necessarily happy about that, so. Uh, that was my first lesson in nothing <laughs> yeah, is yeah. off the record when right. you when you say something. But you stayed. Yeah, but I wound up staying. Yeah, I wound yeah. up staying because he, he advised me to stay. Um, uh, Coach Saban did. He thought that it would be more beneficial to me that I was getting interest and, you know, coaches had been asking about me at the NFL level. But obviously they give you the pros and cons of what they think mm -hmm. you need to work on or what you need to get better at. And coach was always honest about those things. So I took his advice, stayed my senior year, was happy that I stayed my senior year. I uh, wish we could have been better my last year overall as a team. But to me it was, uh, it was my best year as a player um, just from I felt um, 
I was more prepared that year uh, going in yeah. and, and to do all the things that I did uh, as a player that year when I got accomplished my last year, I was uh, I was happy with and uh, I was happy that I stayed. So, you know, yeah, at, at some point you kind of feel like, yeah, you're good enough to play at the next level. You don't – you th- and honestly, it's it's a belief you have as a, as a young, confident young player. Sure. You don't really know until you actually get to that next yeah, level yeah, and realize yeah, yeah. what it means to be at the next level. But as far as having the confidence and the wherewithal that I could do it, it probably was after my junior year. Yep, and it was 1998. You got drafted by the Eagles, uh, fifth round. What do you remember? Uh, did you get a phone call? Did oh, you know yeah. anything about the Eagles going into oh, it? Oh, sure. I talked yep. to them at the combine, so yep. I knew there was, there was some interest uh, there. Uh, they didn't bring me in for a a personal visit or individual workout, so I didn't know how how interested they were. And so it just so happened um, my uh, former – he was my offense alliance coach at Michigan State, Jim Bowman, my senior year, really under Nick Saban my whole time under Nick Saban, but he had left to take the job with the Eagles as tight ends coach. Oh. So he was on the staff and – John Harbaugh was on the staff as special teams coach. So long story short, I wind up getting a call on uh, that Sunday morning from the Eagles, and it was Coach Bowman. And he was like, you know, I got somebody here that wants to talk to you. And it was Ray. Ray. It was Coach Coach Ray Rhodes. Ray Rhodes, yeah. Yeah, so they put Ray on the phone, and, you know, and Ray's uh, only way Coach, Coach Ray could, could give it to you was, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, hey, man. Listen, what you think about being an Eagle? Hmm. I said, Coach, I'm ready if you come and get me. He said, all right, goddammit. <laughs> about to draft you. <laughs> and we're going to burn everything down. And, you know, did he get all fired yeah. up? You I know mean, how Ray was. I tried to yeah. clean it up as best I could. But those that know, yes. that know Coach Rose know he had a way with words. So, yeah, that was that was, <laughs> that Ray, was him on draft day. And, and unfortunately, you know, boy, you know, that, that first – that. First season with the yeah. Eagles, go three and thirteen. Ray is, you know, on his way out. Eventually, yeah. does uh, does leave. I mean, um, how difficult was that first season? Just watching Ray, who I imagine you, you admired, you had know, a lot of had a lot, that. Oh yeah. yeah, had a lot of admiration for him and uh, Emmett Thomas, who was our defensive coordinator, Hall of mm-hmm. Famer, uh, Emmett Thomas. And so, you know, it's the first team that drafted me. I remember meeting them at the combine. I remember having a good visit with them. I remember feeling good about the Eagles. You know, after the combine, I had, um, along with other teams, but, you know, watching the Eagles' defense and watching Willie T play in that defense and seeing William Thomas, seeing how I could fit in sort of that mold because our bodies are very similar, so we were very similar in the style of play that we had. So, you know, coming here and knowing the history of the Eagles, you know, growing up, what I knew about the Eagles was Buddy Ryan – Reggie White, Randall Cunningham, Chris Carter, Harold Carmichael, Mike Quick, you know, Wilbur Montgomery. Those are the guys that I knew mm-hmm. yeah. um, as far as – And a great defensive tradition, too. Yeah, I mean, for, Jerome Brown, yeah, all of that, Seth Joyner. Yeah. I knew all yeah. of that, you yeah. know. And so and, – and, and to be honest, having a African-American quarterback – you know, on a football team was appealing. So, you know, watching the Eagles or the Oilers or Washington when they won with Doug Williams yeah. to be, you know, a uh, um, black kid from, from Cincinnati, that's t- – when you uh, – outside of rooting for my home team, those are the teams that right. I sort of rooted for mm-hmm. because because of those things. So the Eagles were always on my radar. So to come here and get drafted here, I was excited about that. A major city, Philadelphia, and – um it was tough that first year. It was tough that first year. A lot of uncertainty. You yeah. didn't know what the future held. Well, the three quarterbacks, too. You know, I looked it up. I forgot. Oh, my gosh. Bobby Hoying, Coy Detmer, Rodney Pete. The, uh, each won one game and a total of seven uh, – uh, uh, touchdowns in the air. I mean, just uh, that, you know that whole season, seven <laughs> touchdowns. Total of seven I, I, touchdowns. I went to that one game. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, that was it. You guys tied against Baltimore because I went to that game in Hoying. It might have been Hoying's first start. <sighs> You remember that I, game? No, that was that was, was the that year the before year? me. That was the oh, year, the year before, before me. you. Okay. Yeah. I still remember the three teams we beat. We beat Washington, we beat Detroit, and we beat the Rams. Huh. Oh. Those are the three teams we beat. We beat. Like for for Christmas, my 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 mom got us all Bobby Hoying jerseys. My whole family. <laughs> There's a picture of us yeah, all in front man. of the Christmas yeah. tree wearing our Bobby yeah. Hoying jerseys. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, so that then, was a tough so, year. So obviously, the if you watch this, not to jump 
not jo- jumping way forward, but okay. you watch Super Bowl this yeah. year. Andy Reid, one of the greatest yeah. uh, coaches of all time. Yeah. And you were lucky enough to, to be, right, coach under Andy Reid. Sure. And also Jim Johnson, who is yes. a phenomenal, you know, one of the great defensive coaches. Yeah. I Listen, I've, I've been uh, – I've been blessed to be around some great football minds. Uh, George Perlis, Hank Buller, uh, Dr. Defense, for those who don't know. You guys are old enough to know Dr. Defense, Hank Buller. Um, Nick Saban, uh, Dean Pease. You know, I, I played under Dean Pease. He was our defensive coordinator in Michigan State. People recognize Coach Pease for how great he's been at the NFL level so many years winning Super Bowls with New England as they defensive, their defensive coordinator. I had him as my D.C. at uh, Michigan State. That was a great staff at Michigan yeah. State. Yeah. You know, and then you go to uh, – yeah, because Mark D'Antonio was on yeah. that staff as well. Um, then you go to Ray Rhodes and Emmett Thomas. That was – I got coached defensively by those guys to Coach Reed who's in the conversation is the greatest coach of all time and could be by the time he's done coaching, uh, certainly on that short list of four to five guys of the greatest coaches of all time. And I had the great Jim Johnson mm. as my defensive coordinator. Yeah. That uh, And that's not even to mention the guys I played for from a positional standpoint. John Harbaugh, who's going to be a Hall of Fame coach when he's done in Baltimore coaching. He was my special teams coach. Had Ron Rivera as my linebacker coach initially. And then I had Steve Spagnolo, who's uh, been a defensive coordinator for four Super Bowl champions. So, so what, you know. we're, what we're saying is it's not you, it's the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you know but what we're saying is, what we're saying is smart people surround themselves with people that are even smarter yeah, than they yeah, are. So, is, yeah, you know how to surround yourself with That is with incredible good when you really think about it. You, you played for in college – Probably go down as one of the greatest, if not greatest, the greatest college coach. Oh, you can go ahead and, and say it. The and, greatest college coach ever. And you're going to go down, and Randy Reed might be at the end of it the greatest NFL coach. Certainly one right? of the five greatest. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and honestly, you know, playing for Jim Johnson, you know, I Coach Reed was our head coach yeah. overall, but I didn't actually, I didn't play offense, so right. you know, I didn't get the benefit of having him as a personal coach, and some of those guys on that side of the ball do. But I felt equally as uh, honored to have Jim Johnson yep. as our defensive coordinator. And, sure. and and even the guys I played with, man, you know, <laughs> I played with Brian Dawkins and Troy Vincent and Hugh Douglas and Jeremiah Trotter. Yep. You know, um, I, I played with some guys on defense that, man, they, they really were at the top of their game during that era of football. Some of the yep. best players – uh, during that time, and I was fortunate enough to to learn from those guys and play with those guys. Tell us about 2004. Obviously, we did, we're just coming off Super Bowl, watching Kansas City and 49ers, the big pageantry, the hoopla, just everything. Uh, when you played in 2004, I know it's easy to say, well, it's just a game, right? You always hear, it's just a game, another game. I've done this millions of times. But there's got to be something like – are there butterflies in your stomach? Is there? Is it? Is it just another game for the Super Bowl? Yeah, when you're playing the Super Bowl. Or, oh no, it's not just another. Game. I know, right? Yeah, yeah I yeah. know everyone says that. As we try to. Yeah, you we try to say that. Yeah, and, and that's the way you have to try to approach it, so that you can go out there and win the game. And those that can control their emotions right. and all those things the best usually perform the best. But it's obviously not just another game. I mean, the the week leading up to it, uh, the the, the pregame. The, you know the half, how long halftime is, and the uh, finality of not winning it or winning it at the end. That confetti's coming down one way or the other, and either you're a part of the celebration or you're the team walking off the field with your head down. Um, and unfortunately, I was a part of that. But being being in that game um, is, yeah, it's probably at the top of the list when you think about the greatest games you play in. Right, and and the significance of the game and how difficult it is to get to that game and how many great players who've not had the chance. You know, Barry Sanders never had the chance to play in that game, and I think he's the greatest running back ever, maybe one of the greatest football players I've ever seen. And he wasn't fortunate enough to play in that game. And a lot of players that have donned these uniforms don't necessarily get that opportunity. So I certainly appreciated that opportunity, but the, the fact that, a, we didn't have more yeah. opportunities literally in the game, and then we didn't win one of them. 
That's probably the hardest thing of watching Coach Reed win right now. Yeah, I know. Why didn't we do that in 04? Yeah, because you know what? It clearly says it was us, not him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was us as the players, not him. Hey, like, it was uh, us. You know, in uh, 1980, when the Eagles made it, um, you know, Vermeil, you know, when they made that NFC Championship game, beat the uh, Cowboys, and the, the talk was Vermeil had the team pretty tight. They thought that was their Super Bowl, that game at the Vet, and then when they got to New Orleans, but um, they, they were tight also. They were tight. And uh, how did uh, uh, Andy approach that 2004 Super Bowl in terms of the preparation and, and being down there? Did, were you allowed to go out? Did he lock all the doors? You know, <laughs> how was that? Well, we were allowed to go out. <laughs> there, there were curfews every night. I do, yeah. I do remember that uh, being a curfew. And quite frankly, for me, I didn't mind it. I, I, I didn't mind it. I, like this for me, it's like this is our one opportunity to go be world champions. All that other stuff can wait, as right. far as I'm concerned. And so, if if there were guys that were bothered that we had to be in by one o'clock or two o'clock, then. I would, You've lost track of why we're here. Yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. here to win the Super Bowl. We're not here to party with everybody else. <laughs> like that. Like they're the reason they're here partying because they're not playing in the Super Bowl. Like we're here to win a championship. So I didn't have a problem with it. And there were curfews. Um, I didn't think they were like eleven o'clock curfews or twelve o'clock curfews. I, if I can remember correctly, I think the I think Friday night or. Friday night, maybe it got down to 1 o'clock. I think early in the week it was 2 o'clock. Okay. Here, here, here was the problem. Where we were staying at was an hour outside of the, where all the yeah, action was Because Jacksonville is uh, really spread out. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're staying out at uh, Ponte Vedra, the TPC. Right. Sawgrass. That's where we were staying at the hotel where they had a golf course at. And it was like a 45-minute to an hour ride well, it's probably to by get to the city. Yeah. Probably by design, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. Which – Keep Again, away from all I'm okay with right, that. Again, right, right. I'm okay with that. And so, you know, <laughs> I I didn't have a problem with it. I, you know, that's probably why I mean I was ready to go. I was fresh as the daisies on Sunday when Super Bowl Sunday came. I couldn't get to the stadium. I couldn't get to the stadium early enough. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be on the field. I wanted to see the opposite logos painted in the grass. This is a game I've watched since I was like 12 years old, 11 years old. Super Bowl Sunday. It's like a holiday in the house. And to finally be a part of it after so many disappointments the years before, I I refuse to allow anything to distract me from that. But I can't speak for everybody. (laughs) You also got a firsthand view of one of the greatest – we're talking about some of the greatest college coaches, some of the greatest NFL coaches. Well, obviously your opponent that day was – guy might go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. What what was it like watching or playing against Tom Brady? Um – we we had I had played against him obviously prior to that. Uh, I think being in that game, what you realize is that they had been two time champions already. They had began to establish an aura that they don't beat themselves. Usually you have to beat them, so you almost have to play a perfect game, right. and you realize every possession matters. So the one thing about going up against those guys during that time is that when you didn't score or you didn't take advantage of a great opportunity, you almost felt it twofold. Right. Yeah. right? It's like, yeah. oh, man, we missed out on a chance to score yeah. there or we didn't capitalize on this. So, you know, he hadn't yet established the aura that he would right. begin to establish. And you got to realize, I had to tell my, my kids this, right, because you got to have some things as a former player that you can brag about. Sure. Like this and other. But I remember when Tom Brady was on the sideline watching me play in Michigan. Right, I was going to say, man. did you guys – back up in Michigan. Yeah, yes, I was going to say, right. so you guys did cross oh, yeah. over a couple years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we crossed paths, yeah. And yeah I was on the field, though. He was right, over right. there watching. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was over a there watching as a backup for several years at the University of Michigan. So, yeah, who, who was the starter then? You had either Brian Greasy okay. or you had uh, Chad Hutchison, maybe, right. I okay. think. Yeah, or Chad Henney, one, one, one of those two. And then he got to the pros and sitting behind uh, Drew, Drew Bledsoe. Bledsoe right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Tom hadn't become the GOAT just yet. Right. He yeah. wasn't necessarily revered that way. He That would come later. Right. So I, I, I still sort of remember the earlier days of Tom Brady when, you know, he relied on a great defense. Yeah. 
Adam Vinatieri in a great kicking game, and he was sort of the game manager. This is a common theme, Tom, like that he's seen these people, like, and then they go on to become the greatest. Just like when we're going to be go on to become the greatest podcast ever. There you go. There you go. All you got to do is let me touch you. You touch, I touch the podcast, and now you guys are going to be blessed. Yeah, we're glowing now, John. Uh, Switching it up a little bit, uh, like you're to me, you're always like the heart and soul guy of the Eagles. You know, you're one of those guys. You know. And uh, a leader, too, right, in, in in the locker room. And John and I talk about Darren Dalton a lot uh, on our podcast. And uh, part of his thing was kind of bringing that message from the coach, uh, uh, or manager, Jim Fregosi, into the, the club. You know, whether it's uh, another practice or, hey, guys, you know, this is what we're doing. Did you, did you feel like you had that kind of role uh, in the locker room, sure. a guy who had to kind of bring that the coach's matches, message yeah. to the players? Yeah, and I embraced it. You know, some guys aren't comfortable doing that. Some guys, you know, want to lead by example. And to each is their own when you're in your comfort zone. I just never had a problem with it. Um, you know, I always felt like I was sort of a overachiever. Um, wasn't the biggest, wasn't the fastest, wasn't the most athletic uh, wasn't necessarily considered the five-star recruit or what have you. So, you know, being sort of the, the, the try-hard guy, the guy who sort of relays the coach's, coach's message, that was the value I've always felt I brought to the team. And I, I didn't have a problem with embracing that. Some guys did. Uh, but I believed in those messages as well because I felt like I was an example of that. If a coach needed someone that he could – hold in front of the team and say, okay, this is an example of if you do what's required of you, do what's asked of you, you work hard, you put in the extra work, this is this is what you can become. And so, you know, it, sometimes that's harder for guys who are naturally gifted as athletes right. or in certain areas. But for guys who realize that they have to work harder, that they have to do more, you know, we embrace that. And so um, I've never shied away from that. It, it got me a scholarship. Uh, to a Division One Big Ten university that I never would have dreamed I would have ever had the opportunity to have. Uh, as a role player, special teams player, backup player, it afforded me a nine-year NFL career that I don't think I would have had if I didn't have that sort of mentality and embrace that. And not only that, and it's helped me in my afterlife uh, away from sports and doing what I've been doing for the last 17 years with WIP that I started as a part-time guy, a guy who then moved to working nights and taking shifts where I could get him at to being brought up through the ranks. And yeah. so that has worked, served me well. That's just and that's just been my personality and, and mentality yeah. my entire and life. And think about yeah. like in Philadelphia, it's the guys that were kind of the glue guys in the locker room that might not have been the biggest stars mm-hmm. that have gone on to have successful media careers. You look at Keith Jones. Keith Jones did yeah. it right. He's a grinder. And as a player, as a grinder, as, a, as you know, going on IP all the mm-hmm. time. And look at look at Jonesy now. Look at yourself. You look at Batalico. You look at there's a lot of guys. Larry Anderson. You look at guys yeah. that. Uh, you I just, feel like Jonesy set an unrealistic bar for us. Because now, <laughs> now I want to be a Prison. GM. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now I want to run the team. Right. Mike, you'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, Mike, man, you should go for it. I'm telling you. <laughs> Jonesy stepped out there. Now he's running the Flyers. I'm like, holy cow, yeah, Jonesy. Jo- man. Joe Banner's time is up. Like it's time for you to step in. So when did you? I mean, I guess you you played the game obviously very well in the sense that. You were always good with the media, right? Mm-hmm. You respected the media. Because mm-hmm. if you don't respect the media, then it's it's tough to then get a job with the media. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, but you also, as you mentioned, you grind, you grinded it out. You did shifts that, you know, maybe star athletes that played in the yeah. nine years in the NFL wouldn't do. I did interns while I was a player. That's unbelievable. That's With, with Comcast yeah. Sportsnet. That's awesome. In the off season. Yeah. And oh, yeah. yeah. Did you, so did you see yourself being that? Like, when you were playing, could you see yourself did you look down the road like that? I say, did. I think broadcasting is my next career. I did. And I had a sense of it's what I wanted to do uh, coming out of college. That, that that was my major in college communication. So I, I was very good with the media when I was in college, when I started to actually put thought and effort into how I presented myself in interviews and I would watch myself and how I sounded or what have you. When you start to consciously try to – you know, correct some of those things and at least present yourself in a certain manner. That's when I, I, I realized, like, this is something that I want to get into. And so, you know, I had guys like Troy Vincent and Bobby Taylor as mentors right. that 
sort of helped guide me while I was a player and said, you know, listen, don't wait until you're done playing. You know, these these are things you need to get involved with while you're playing. And what better market to do yeah. it in than the Philadelphia market? And one other shout-out to a guy that honestly really – when I talk about doing the internship with Comcast Sportsnet, Derek Boyko, yep. our old uh, public um, PR guy, yeah, our, our old PR guy. He went under the Bills, Davis. right? Yeah, he's with Buffalo now. Um, he was the guy who helped me get started oh, wow. and doing stuff in the offseason. Because he but, saw talent in you. Yes, and, and, and I told him this was something that I wanted to do. So he said, man, why wait until you're done? You're around here during the offseason. Yeah. You can actually get the, the, the work and the practice in now. And so I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it without worrying about compensation and all those things. I just wanted the reps. Yeah. I just wanted the reps. That's smart. I just wanted the reps, and I and Comcast was was gracious uh, with me back then. Michael Barkan and all those guys they were gracious with me back then, and they brought me over, and they I, I got to sit in on production meetings. I got to see how things work behind the scenes. I did this stuff for like two years. I really did, and and they always told me whenever you're done playing and you want to get involved. Here's my number. Call me when you're done. Well, like you, yeah, you were saying hi to some of our uh, kitchen staff who I know you know, and uh, you, you were asking about Ike, or I'm sorry, uh, Spike X asking, and he's like, "Well, I've worked with his dad for two years, yeah. and he was one of the early guys that uh, they set you up with on yeah. one of those programs." But how, how was that in terms of you know? <laughs> he, you, you feel know, forsaken, <laughs> right? We had we had <laughs> Howard in, uh, we had Howard in a couple weeks ago, and, but as an athlete, you know, yes. some athletes have a problem with Howard. Yeah. They got the argument that a guy didn't play. That, that's kind of a weak argument, but. Sure. But a guy who's so opinionated, right? Didn't play. There's more of that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, how were you? Because that's tough as an athlete to be with somebody who uh, has all those opinions. Made. Well, no, wait a minute. That's not how it is. Yeah. This is how it is. Was we, that hard we, for you? Yeah, we disagreed a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we disagreed a lot, and uh, it was usually about uh, philosophies and how he views the the athlete and how they should go about their business versus the organization, right. you know, what have you. And I viewed a lot of things through an athlete's eyes. Yeah. And I'm in this position to actually be able to speak up for guys. So I viewed a lot of things from the athlete's perspective. But the, the, the further I've gotten away from the game, I sort of can see both sides of things. And to your question, Tom, about working with Howard, uh, in the moment, I probably didn't feel the same way I feel in hindsight and now in the moment it was sort of uh, uh, fighters into your corner and you come out when the <laughs> right, bell right, ring right, right. and you're going, you're duking it out every yeah, yeah, yeah. day. So there wasn't a, a certain level of appreciation um, at that time for one another or respect for one another as it was just more important to be right or loud about your opinion versus whereas now I can see Howard and understand sort of his method uh, to his madness and, and why he believes things and says things. Again, I don't agree with most of the things he says, yeah, yeah. but I, I believe there is genuine authenticity there with what he says and what he believes. And a lot of it is through his hard work and his dedication to being at games, to being around people, talking to people, things of that nature that you don't necessarily see unless you've been in this business long enough. And so now you're going to be working with his son. Yeah. Spike. Yeah. Whom, whom I've, I've loved for a lot of years. And Spike used to come, Spike used to call up during the show when me and his dad had just finished arguing or what have you, and he would try to break the ice and right. be like, dude, don't kill my dad, man. <laughs> so he would call he call us, call us That's on the air. And, right, and right. say, like, would you guys like would you guys stop arguing? Yeah. Like like But it so, makes for great radio too. Yeah. It's entertaining. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Is it, is it Ike and Spike or Spike and Ike? What do you mean? Well, the you, name of the show? Yeah, when you're gonna have to, when you when uh, you start that well, show. Well, you know what? I don't think they've decided what the, what they're gonna name it. I'll, I'll just say this: I, it's one guy joining the show. That's right. And that's so like yeah, somebody's like, been here for so, sixteen yeah, years. Yeah, one guy has been there, so yeah, 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 one guy's joining the show. Yeah, I can spot. Not that it matters, but. Yeah, you know. Somehow Burgoyne grabbed the top billion. This, <laughs> yeah, I did. Podcast. I did. Right? It was I, in my contract. I need, I need to get that back. <laughs> well, listen, if they, if they ever told me it mattered during contract negotiations, then, yeah, it, yeah. Would, then it would be a real issue. Then it'd be an issue. <laughs> All right, one last story before we get to the quiz. Go ahead. Is, and I'm not going to tell the full story, so don't give me that look. 
But you mentioned Lou Pinella. I didn't recognize Lou Pinella one time when I'm in Puerto Rico. I will not tell you the long story, but I body surfed right into him, had a 20-minute conversation with him, told all about the minor league prospects. I'm just thinking this guy This guy told me he worked for the Seattle Mariners, and I'm t- he's asking me all these questions about the prospects. He's talking to Lou Pinella had, for 20 I minutes. No, I had no idea because he, he's in the surf. I was going to say that he had, he had a beard and stuff. Well, I don't know. He had a hair wet. He's in the middle of surf, and I crash into his legs body surfing. So now the next thing you know, I screwed up the whole Seattle Mariners organization because he he went back and said, oh, I talked to some scout from the Phillies, and they told me about all these guys, and I'm just BSing. So anyway, I'm bringing that story up because Ike went to Tom. Ike went to – I brought him uh, him and uh, John Marks to one of the Phillies ownership parties where we have spring training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Ike was talking to our skipper, Rob Thompson, for a long time uh-huh. and didn't realize it's the manager. <laughs> Is that Because right, I, right? I guess he didn't see him in the hat yeah, in yeah. the uniform, right? It's the worst. I'm telling you, it is, it is the worst, man. <laughs> It is the worst. He, uh. he he did not look like a manager. I'm just telling you. Right. <laughs> and and quite frankly, and there's no offense to uh, Charlie Manuel, Skip, <laughs> but I can easily distinguish Charlie Manuel from anybody else. Yeah. He's six four. He's tall. I blends in. You know, but he didn't have the hat on. Right. Hair looked good. <laughs> he had a suit on. Like like he didn't have a suit and tie on. He just had a sports jacket yeah. with his shirt on. You thought he's one of our sponsors? I swear to God, I thought yeah. he was a sponsor, sponsor, man. I had no idea. I had no That's idea. Yeah, wow, great. this guy knows a lot about baseball. Listen, <laughs> exactly. hold on. So I got another story for you real quick. <laughs> this may be even worse. I don't know if it's worse than that one, though, because that, that one was pretty bad. I actually Wait, st- when did you realize it was Rob Thompson? Like, no, I think I think uh, somebody had to tell me. I, I don't know if you told me or Fritz, Jack Jack yeah. Fritz might have told me yeah. or what have you. And I'm like, man, he really is the second best looking guy. In yeah, baseball. second best. Like, exactly. hey, man, he looked. He, look, he, he didn't look like a baseball manager to me at all. So check this out at the Eagles game this year, this past season. I forget which game it was. It might have been the um, it was one of the games. So, um, Scott Fransky and his son. Is at the game. Yes, yeah. They're, they're going over. They're going over to the booth. So we're in the press box where the media is at. And so this is where we usually watch the game. And you got the TV monitors. You've been up there. You got the TV monitors there. And so Ava Graham, who's our assistant brand manager over at the WIP, you know, through, periodically she could bring somebody who's part of a sales team or right. part of a sponsorship by to say hello to us at the booth or what have you. And she had done that earlier on the pregame show. So here she is with Scott Fransky and his son. I'm, I'm, the game is just starting, so I'm into the game. I see them in the press box. They're standing there talking, and Ava gets my attention, and she points, and she, I, I thought she just wanted me to say hello to some, some right. people. Yeah. I didn't realize it was Scott Fransky and his son. So I gave the quickest little nonchalant, like, hey, how, how you guys doing? And I went right back to the game. Yeah. Without batting the eye. She comes over like three minutes later. She's like, you know that's Scott Fransky, right? I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was Scott Fransky. So I had to get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously I'm embarrassed now. Now I'm like, holy crap, I just big-time Scott Fransky like he was nobody. And Gus. And Gus. (laughs) By by the way, Scott has, in my defense, he had a jersey on, an Eagles jersey on, yeah. And a ball cap on. Yeah. Yes. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like, like he had a Scully yeah. cap on. Right. I had no idea with a hoodie. So it was cold. <laughs> so he got the hoodie on with the jersey on. Yeah. I had no idea. He's a radio guy. I'm sure he's used to it. No, I, I, listen, Once I'm, he talks, you, you would have said. Felt, no, I must have felt like two feet tall. <laughs> I felt two feet tall. I had to run over there. I'm apologizing. I'm like, oh, my God, Scott, I didn't know, man. I didn't mean to do that. I'm like, that was embarrassing. But I don't know. The 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 the, the red topper might be worse. That might be yeah, worse. I actually stood there talking to him and didn't realize it was him. That was bad. Why is this guy from Chick-fil-A keep talk, talking to him? Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Ike, are you ready for your quiz? He did look good, though, in his, in his, his, his outfit. I've got to admit that. We're going to wrap up your quiz. you got to get six out of eight. Eight questions. Right. John, you Mul- worked hard at this quiz? Multiple choice, right? Multiple choice. You okay. get, uh, at least I'm getting right. multiple. I used to love those tests. Yeah, and yes. You, yes, and you multiple can. choice. And Tom Burgoyne does not know these uh, questions, so you can use him for one life. Oh, as a lifeline. If you okay. want, if you want. But right. it's about My record's your, not good. But it's Ike. about your life. So, yes. Oh, it's and, about me. And yeah. his, rec- his record's 
know it better than I do. <laughs> okay. All right, you ready? Six out of eight. Six out of eight. Uh, you have kids anymore that would that, that are the age where they would want something signed by the fanatic? <laughs> no, or no, no picture kid. of the fanatic. We'll, we'll figure. We'll figure something out. Well, you know what? My daughter, she she's a big fanatic fan. Uh, uh, so she, we'll get she's you, always so, enjoyed. He doesn't the sign anyway. Doesn't he? Doesn't have yeah, he fanatic's too big. It's going to cost big. you if you ask for, right. for an autograph. Right, she's we'll get, eighteen, but yes, yeah, we'll get you something. <laughs> we'll get you something fanatic related if you get six out of eight. All right, here we go. Six out of eight. Thanks for the visit. Let's get down to business. Now here's your chance to show how much you really know. He might get grumpy if he can't stop you with Brazier's Quiz. You went to Aiken High School, mm -hmm. right, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Which of these celebrities did not go to Aiken huh. High School? So three went to Aiken High School, one did there not. There three other celebrities that went to Aiken oh, High School? Oh, come on, man. Yeah, come, come on, on Tom. Wow, this come is, on. All right. Yeah, believe me, it's better I than... I should know all of them, too. All right, here we go. Ready? <laughs> A, Jim O'Brien, who's NFL kicker for the Super Bowl champion Baltimore Colts. Uh, B, Scott Service, former MLB pitcher, actually pitched for the Phillies in 1988. Former NHL prolific goal scorer Brett Hall and NFL linebacker Dixon Edwards. So was it? Brett Hall. Brett Hall, Brett Hall. did not yeah, go yeah. to Aiken High School. You knew that right away. Yes. And celebrity is a pretty general yes. term there, man. Some of those guys you were mentioning. Hey, well, I know are all they three celebrities? Of them. You do? Okay. Yeah, I know all right. three of them. Dixon Edwards went to Michigan State, too. Yeah, see? Right. Yeah. Yeah. His dad was the principal there when I was there. Tom, you think I'm going to every high Scott school? Scott Service played that, for the Reds, too. For the high schools, that's really good because I do this a lot. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, my high school, I don't and even Jim know. Jim O'Brien is the only, uh, he's the only kicker to – did he win the MVP? He might have. Uh, it was early. It was, it was the Colts, right? Colts, yeah. Yeah, he Because he, he, they won six to three. Yeah, so it had to have been. Yeah. Huh. All right. All one right. for one. So <laughs> he might as, have been the MVP. As, as we know, you went to Michigan State. Yep. Which of these celebs did not go to Michigan State? Oh, okay. I know this one, yeah. Actress Farrah Fawcett, mm -hmm. Phillies Hall of Famer Robin Roberts, mm -hmm. actor James Kahn, mm -hmm. and former flyer Rod Brindamore. So is it Farrah Fawcett, Robin Roberts, James Conn, or Rod Brindamore? Was either Rod Brindamore or Farrah Fawcett. Okay. I know the other two for sure. You can use the lifeline if you want to. No, I'm just trying to I'm trying to remember, do I ever remember anything about Farrah Fawcett at Michigan State? Well you had her poster up in your in your Everybody had to post. <laughs> well, we're old, we're older than you too. So. Yeah. And Rob Brindamore is, is is a is a hockey player. So Michigan State under Ron Mason was was one of the better hockey college programs during the time I was there. Which then would lead you to Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett is yeah. correct. She yeah. went to the University of Texas. Yeah. Okay. Tom, Tom yeah. Rigoni gave me that. I random, know her whole story. He yeah. gave me that random celebrity uh, <laughs> about, about an hour ago. I did not know Brindamore went to state though. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah but it makes sense good. though. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right, you were selected in the fifth round of the 1998 NFL Draft. Which uh, which one of these players was drafted after you? Okay, three were drafted before you. One was drafted after you. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter, Brian Greasy, Heinz Ward, Matt Hasselbeck. Jeremiah Trotter was drafted before me. Then you got Brian Greasy, Heinz Ward, Matt Hasselbeck. Brian Greasy was drafted before me as well. So, so now was, it's down to Heinz Ward or Matt Hasselbeck. And so, so was Heinz Ward. So you're going Matt Hasselbeck. Yes. Three for three. Dang, See that logic he's just throwing yeah, you, out there? That was impressive. I actually saw smoke coming out of your ears right there, right? <laughs> well, I couldn't remember. Hasselbeck is a fifth-round pick, though. Uh, he was a sixth-round sixth pick. Sixth-round pick, okay. Yeah, All right, your first year with the Eagles was 1998. Which of one of these guys was not on that team? Okay, in the 1998, your first year team. What, who was not on that team? Kevin Turner, Barry Gardner. Jason Dunn, Mike Zordich. Barry Gardner. Barry Gardner, four for four. <laughs> Bang. All right. BG in, was drafted in 99. In, uh, okay. All right. In 2000. by a year. <laughs> in 2004, which defense on the Super Bowl team, which defensive member led the team in tackles with 90? Now, they include solo and assistant. Okay. Led the team in tackles in 2004. Was it Michael Lewis, no. Sheldon Brown, Brian Dawkins, Jeremiah Trotter? No, you know what? It was Michael Lewis. Was it Mike? It was Michael Lewis, yeah. Wow. All right. You still have room, though. All right. Yeah. You got room for it. You got three more. Uh, this, I don't know. This could be the easiest question. could be the hardest question. You played in the 2004 Pro Bowl, right? Do you remember, if, going back to the time machine, who caught the first touchdown of the game? Uh, was it Torrey Holt, Martin, <laughs> Hale, <laughs> Martin Harrison, Antonio Gates, or Heinz Ward? Torrey Holt, Marvin Harrison, Antonio Gates, Heinz Ward. It was a, just to let you know, it was a 67-yard 
Bomb. I, I kind of remember Heinz Ward. 50, uh, from Peyton Manning. Heinz Ward. No, nope, Marvin Harrison. Mar- Marvin Harrison? Yeah, that's uh, all right. I think you'll get the next two. Yeah, I, I don't remember much from that Pro Bowl, yeah. <laughs> how many, number seven, how many ta- total tackles did you have in your career? Okay, total oh tackles. Was it 215, 198, 242, or 185? 215, 198, 242, 185. Oh, 242. 242 is correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now you're yeah. going to be a winner if you get this last one. All right. What is Jack Fritz? Your buddy Jack Fritz. You've been do, you've been working with him for how many years? <laughs> uh, uh, Jack came on in nineteen, I think. All right, it's so almost five years. What he is came Jack on in August of nineteen? What is Jack Fritz's middle name? <laughs> I don't know if it was ever brought up on the show, but what oh, is his middle name? Of course, Jack. No, no, his first name is John. John, right? But Jack, the nickname of so his middle name, like. Give the uh, choices, John. Oh, yeah, because yeah. Jack's more of a, mid- a nickname off the John. Okay, you're you know right. What I mean, so so this is his true middle name. Yeah, uh, is it Chandler, Ross, Joseph, or Gunther? No, it's Ross. Ross, bang, got it. Yes, yeah, Ross. How did you know it, that? Because he said it. Oh, he said, he it, said before. it before. Yeah, I, was... I jumped the gun with the whole Jack <laughs> name. Yeah, no, I was Ross. Yeah. Ross. See, yeah, I thought, I tried to throw I've little friends him, in there too. Because I've called him John Ross. There that's an is. old that's an old Bengals wide receiver. I remember John yeah, Ross. John Ross, yeah. 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 Might have yeah. had him on my fantasy team one. That's good trivia. Yeah, yeah look at like that. Trivia, All man. right. That's and you get yourself You're a, a winner, fanatic, Ike. A fanatic item. We don't <laughs> know we'll, we'll find something <laughs> around here. Uh Ike, this is great. Thanks for coming down. You know, I know you uh you gotta run, right? Yeah, you, it's all good, man. No, thank you guys for having me, man. You can I'm grab good. some Maryland crab soup on your way out too. No, just get something from Frankie Two Scoops out there. I know, some ice cream, right? See you guys down at uh Clearwater, man. Yeah, we'll see you down there. Uh thanks, John. Yeah, that's probably our next show we're going to be doing from Clearwater. From down there, uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you next time on Phillies Backstage.